1992, a jury in a Simi Valley courtroom acquitted four Los Angeles police officers of the brutal beating of motorist Rodney King. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Stacey C. Kuhn, not guilty. That decision would ignite six of the most explosive days in Los Angeles history. 37 people dead, more than 1,300 injured, more than 4,000 arrested. Damage estimate, $200 million and rising. Radio Free 102.3 KJLH remembers the civil unrest of 1992. And throughout all the chaos, we were there. Please stay out of the streets. And keep you updated on what's going on around you so you don't need to go out in the streets. We'll let you know. Tune in to KJLH all week, April 30th through May 4th, as Carl Nelson returns to the front page, 4.30 to 6 a.m., to join with Dominique de Prima for the 20th anniversary of the front page and the civil unrest. And to this gentleman, I'll call him, that says there's a revolution happening, a revolution happens if we're fighting the enemy. We're out there tonight fighting each other. Right here on Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. The original community. This is the front page on Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. Color worse, color worse, my people's come first. So if you ain't busting down, please disperse. Please disperse. Please disperse. I knew I never should have bought the tease the purse. Cause my words come the worst, my people's come first. So if you ain't busting down, please disperse. Please disperse. Please disperse. Please disperse. Please disperse. Find your greatness. The front page. Radio Free. 102.3. K-J-L-H. It's 5.08 in the morning, and we've been talking about uh, creating some dialogue here in the 20 years since uh, L.A.'s civil unrest, disturbance, riot, rebellion, uprising, uh, whatever you want to call it. And we have a special guest in studio expecting some other folks on the way, um, but we're very happy to have... Uh, uh, Michael K. Wu, more commonly known as Michael, he's the dean of the College of Environmental Design at Cal State uh, Polytechnic University, Pomona. He was a member of the L.A. City Council from 1985 to 1993. He's not Korean. We've been listening to Korean-American uh, sound bites and reflections. He's Chinese, Chinese descent. So he was the first and so far the only Asian-American on the L.A. City Council. He was there... Um, during 1992, he was elected in Council District 13. Back then, that had about 11% Asian voters and 15% Latino. Uh, he was the city council leader in the fight to oust police chief Daryl Gates in the wake of the beating of Rodney King. He left his council seat in 1993 to run for mayor. Historically, ran against Richard Reardon. Uh, he won a victory. Some say was marked by deep racial divisions. Wu was endorsed by Bill Clinton, who was running for president at the time. Reardon got 54% of the vote to Wu's 46%. He also ran for Secretary of State in 1994. Mike Wu, welcome to the front page. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Is it weird for you looking back? Is it interesting? Does it seem like a lot has happened? Does it seem like a faraway time? Or does it seem very immediate and, and still relevant? Well, those days... 
uh, around 1992 were some of the the most intense experiences I've ever had. Uh, I was a member of the city council at the time, but uh, uh, the the outbreak of violence, the racial tension at the time uh, reminded me of some of the reasons why I got involved in politics in the first place. That is, cities like Los Angeles uh, had a lot of problems relating to the economy, relating to race relations. And so, you know, getting back to when I was much younger, part of my reason for wanting to go into public service was to address issues like that. I I never really thought something like that would happen in L.A., though. I, I, I was born and raised in L.A. I was living here back in 1965 at the time of the Watts riots. Um, uh, but then being a member of the city council, uh, especially after incidents like the Latasha Harlan's incident you were talking about earlier uh, and, and some of the other uh, tense situations in the city were, uh, I thought, unprecedented, but, but also something that uh, it, at one level, it surprised me this was happening in L.A. At the time, Tom Bradley was mayor. Uh, uh, you could say that at a certain level, the African-American community had risen to a level of power, and yet the Rodney King incident, and especially the tensions with the police department, showed that uh, in many ways we hadn't made a lot of progress. And you're taking on um, Daryl Gates. I mean, in hindsight, it seems like a no-brainer, but at the time, it was kind of a big deal. Well, at the time, it was very risky because uh, people today may not appreciate what was happening at that time. The police department was almost like a separate kingdom within the city of L.A. Mm. Uh, uh, a long period had gone by when uh, the mayor of the city, Tom Bradley, and the chief of police, Daryl Gates, hadn't even spoken to each other. And I think that that the Rodney King incident, and especially Chief Gates's defense of the misconduct of the police officers, really uh, made it clear to me, and I think to a lot of other people, that the police department was really out of control, was not being accountable to anybody. Uh, and the chief of police himself was a kind of a political figure. Some people said he was more powerful than any elected official uh, because he wasn't accountable to anybody. So when I became the first elected official in City Hall to call for Chief Gates to resign, that was a pretty big deal at the time. And at that time, the police chiefs served indefinitely. That's right. There was now no, they have two five-year terms. That's right. That came later. Yeah. Uh, in other words, in, in reaction to what was a sense of the excesses of the Daryl Gates regime. Yeah. So for those who forget, now they serve five years and they have to be reappointed. And they, as we saw with Chief Parks, they either are or they're not right. uh, at the discretion of the mayor and the city council. Right. At that time, Daryl Gates was kind of more like a Mugabe figure. He could be police chief forever under the way that the city government was set up at that time. Yeah, well, uh, it seems like uh, a long time ago, but but actually that had been the tradition within Los Angeles, at least going back to Chief Parker. So so to challenge a a chief of police was something very tough for elected officials like members of the city council, because on the one hand, you might disagree with the chief of police, but also on a day-to-day basis, council members depend on the police department. Uh, In other words, uh, if constituents are complaining about robberies in a neighborhood or other problems requiring police support, uh, police uh, council members want to have a friendly relationship with the police department. So to call for the chief of police to resign puts that at risk. Not to mention, I mean, just putting things a little bit in context, 
at that time, we were coming out of the Wild West 80s where violence is so high in the city and people are really uh, dealing with a lot of fear. And so they're feeling very defensive and very protective of law enforcement in a way which is understandable on the one hand, but on the other hand, not, uh, not so understandable when it comes to those excesses. On the phone, we have um, James Jong-Min Kang. He, um, back in 92, he was the leader of the Korean militia, which was responsible for helping Korean-American business owners protect their businesses in South L.A. during the civil unrest. Uh, using force. He immigrated to the United States 30 years ago after the 1965 Immigration Act abolished a quota system that had restricted the number of Asian Asians allowed to enter the United States. He came to America for a chance at a better economic life. And when he got here, he says he only had $100, lived off bananas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three months. Healthy, but not very fun. Um, today, he's a very successful business owner, widely respected within the Korean-American community, currently the president of the Slauson Swap Meat Merchants Association and president of the Korean-American Business Association. Mr. Kang, welcome to the front page. Good morning. Mr. Kang? Yes. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks good morning. for joining us. Yes. So here we are. I know you, you had a very intense um, role in, in 1992. Uh, the civil unrest, yeah. and here we are 20 years later. Yeah. Um, at that time, you uh, you were an advocate that, you know, people take up arms and protect their businesses and protect themselves. Yes. Do you regret that now, looking back? Do you think that was the right thing to do, or...? Yeah, because... You know, I remember that time uh, about the Rodney King issue. Uh, many uh, uh, black American community is angry about that probe uh, police uh, policeman sorry uh, from a court. Uh, we respect about uh, the Afro American community's angry issue. So we worry about uh, something happen. Then we organized uh, about uh, six months ago, uh, about uh, 1992, uh, Los Angeles riot. So many people knew already about uh, something happened. But at that time, why police doesn't get to that thing? I think they have it, but uh, they don't protect uh, enough for uh, citizens. So we have to protect ourselves. So many people ask for themselves, where is the police? Where is the LAPD? And we just say like that, but that's, that's what nothing means. Because uh, police is uh, no coming and no police, uh, any business people, they just looking for crime. Yeah, so I know. To, uh, protect ourselves. I know. Um, you know. You talk with a lot with Jazz Mechanic, uh, who works with us on the show. And one of the things that you, I think you pointed out, which I think you're alluding to now, is the fact that for many Korean Americans, the police had already been called numerous times, and you felt like the help wasn't there. So you had no. Yes. You felt like you had no choice but to take matters into your own hands. Yes. Have things gotten better? Do you think the relationship between African Americans and Asian Americans, particularly Koreans, I mean, you've got to see it every day. You're president of the swap meet, wherever yes, we uh, are. 
Uh, you know, many people know the in South Central South Swami, so we have a lot of uh, Afro-American customers about 26 years ago. We have a really good relation uh, at that time. Also, uh, during the riots uh, before and after. So still, I have the uh, same business uh, for BD supply. So my business is uh, more than 95% is uh, for American customers. We really get the support for American life from the black uh, community. Also, my kid too. You know, uh, we have to get uh, a lot of uh, US dollars. That's our life so, uh, from American life. That's only from uh, black American uh, community. So we really, we really thanks for that. So we don't have a choice. That's our life. So I think it's a, all the time it's a good relation because only we have a thank you mind. How we can get another thing because this is uh, my life. So I don't have any trouble because uh, uh, we have a nice uh, customer and good friend. Also, we make a lot of a community relations with uh, other area people. We make a scholarship. Uh, sometimes we make a working together with them and the donations. Also, uh, we make a, a lot of a, a, a merchandise for the Afro-American need something. Then we bring for that. So uh, many people come to uh, uh, my business area. You know, uh, 1990, uh, that area is uh, more than, I think, uh, 85 to 90 percent of people living in South Central Los Angeles. But now, it's Afro-American is only uh, 30 or 35 percent, I think. But many of the uh, Afro-Americans come to us uh, for buying from Pomona or uh, Palmdale or Riverside. It's a lot of uh, Afro-Americans living uh, live to uh, another place, but yeah. they come to uh, my place every week because uh, we have uh, many of uh, black community people's uh, uh, stuff. So I think they like us, so they come in, we like them, so we make business in that area. Uh, so I think it's never a problem, but uh, some is a media and some politicians use for our community. So it's like uh, we have a problem. So you have to make a community relation. No, we don't have any problem. Of course, we need a community relation more because uh, uh, we need uh, more uh, work together. We yeah. need a relation make it together because uh, this is America. Many color people are living together. So we need to try to uh, understand and love each other. So anyway, we need to move, uh, make more uh, relation. But I think, so personally, we don't have any trouble. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, some people think like this. Uh, Korean uh, business people uh, get uh, uh, some problem with the shoppers, but never. But only this, um, maybe some of the teenagers like to play, sometimes a shower thing. We have that kind of a problem. Mike, you know? would you yeah. agree that a lot of it is media? The, the divisions between Asian-American community, African-American community. And, and one thing we probably won't be discussing too much, but Latino and Asian uh, community, do you think a lot of it is hype? 
Uh, I think a lot of the tensions today are lower than they were 20 years ago. That is, I don't think the same level of tension exists between African Americans and and Asian Americans. However, uh, I would comment that I think part of the reason is because the population has really changed. Uh, In other words, uh, not only have many of the African Americans moved out of South LA to other other areas, but also a lot of the Korean Americans who own businesses are no longer there. Yeah, a lot of those businesses never came back. Right, many never came back. I mean, obviously there are people like Mr. Kang and there are some business owners, but I think that a lot of Korean Americans uh, came away from the experiences of 1992 with the sense they were not welcome. Uh, I think there was much more effort 20 years ago between leaders of the Korean American community and the African American community to try to work together. Today, my sense is there isn't there isn't the same level of tension, but also I think there isn't the same level of effort either in terms of the two communities trying to work Reaching together. Reaching out. It's 5.23 in the morning. We have some people on the phones that would like to weigh in on this. So we're going to go to the phones and feel free to jump in. This is Kitchen Table Conversation. You don't have to wait. You don't have to raise your hand and wait for the teacher. Uh, it is informal conversation. Let's go to Gina calling us from the city of Compton. Good morning, Gina. You have the mic. Gina? Good morning, Dominique. How are you this morning? Excellent. What's on your mind today? Um, I was listening to you guys share. Um, You know, we have gotten better with Koreans and and Chinese people. I live in Orange County, but I'm born and raised in Compton and Long Beach area. And um, it's still, it's tension there. But I don't see it as much as we used to in the city of Compton. You know, I see now when we go in the beauty salons, they're starting to hire uh, African-American women. um, As opposed where they would just maybe put Latinos in there. You know, and they're starting to be a little bit more friendly where they don't follow us in their stores anymore. So you think that the... um the treatment of African Americans by Asian American merchants, in your opinion, has gotten better? It's a front page. It's Radio Free 102.3 KGLH. Sorry for the edit. Um, Gina from Compton was making a point. She made a point using a word we don't use on this station. This black-owned radio station right here, Radio Free 102.3 KGLH. There's some words we don't say, Miss Gina. Your point's well taken. Appreciate the call. We don't say the N-word on the air you want to do that you have to go to somebody else's radio station but uh, i understood the point you were making she was talking about the um the growth of racism in certain communities and particularly orange county uh, where she feels like it's being taught to the children so if it cut off in the middle that's because we have a delay and when someone says certain things we just have to dump them um this is i guess responding to what Gina was saying, Mr. King, is there, and also, uh, uh, Mr. I feel like calling you council member. Uh, is there, do you think there's been an effort, um, Mr. King, to, for people to educate themselves more about each other, particularly like Asian Americans towards African Americans? My feeling is that a lot of people, not just Asian people, but when people come to this country from somewhere else, Pretty much what they know about black people is what they've seen on TV, and that's never good. And it's also not the truth about our community. Um, do you think there's been more effort 
for people to educate themselves about African-American culture or to reach out in a more friendly way? Uh, Mr. Kane? I don't know. Okay, I think we lost him. Would you like me to try to address sure. this? Sure. Um, to tell you the truth, for... For many of the immigrants coming here from other countries, I don't think that there is a much greater understanding of African Americans than before. Uh, I think this is part of the education that an immigrant gets once they arrive in the, in the United States, especially if they live in a community that's truly multi-ethnic. But frankly, I think that a lot of the immigrants coming here from other countries still come with stereotypes especially if they have no life experience of any kind of interaction right so if all you've seen is cops and Starsky and Hutch and Jerry Springer of course you think horrible things about our community Uh, but I'm not quite sure what we do about that Uh, Gina I appreciate your call Uh, let's go to D-Don from LA good morning D-Don you have the floor uh, greetings and uh, ready for the revolution. <laughs> Is this uh You're on the air. Oh, greetings. Yeah, I just want to make a couple points that, number one, if you look at the arrest rates during the uh, National Rebellion, 64% were indigenous, and it's one of the first times or, uh, that you saw African and Native people together rising up, I guess earlier times during the Seminole Wars. I think, number two, that there was zero homicide among our people during this time. Three, I remember that... You mean um, during the actual uprising, you, during the actual um, unrest. You don't right. mean in general, because we, we were in a high homicide period outside. Before that. Yeah. And I think the other point uh, is that um, ABC News, and I recorded this on VHS in the first 24 hours, had a map of the United States with icons of flames indicating what cities had gone up. There are actually 20 cities, New York, Seattle, San Diego, Vegas, Boulder, Omaha, Beloit, Wisconsin. They listed all the cities, and then after 24 hours, FEMA stepped in, and they made a decision to portray it as the L.A. rebellion, when in fact it was a national rebellion, because the fear, of course, was the fact that it might be like the, during the Dr. King's assassination, and what happened after that, 102 cities went up. And my final point, and I think it's the most profound, is the fact that this is the height of the CIA-induced, orchestrated crack epidemic. And that, in my opinion, this epidemic is as profound as slavery, as segregation, as integration, in terms of radically deconstructing and reconfiguring our family, our extended family, and uh, basically the notion of security and values in our community. Thank you, D-Doc. We got a lot of people calling. I could, We could do a whole conversation about what you just said, but I'm going to leave it there for now. Okay, thank you. All right. Peace and blessings. 529 in the morning. Uh, I think we got Mr. Kang back on the phone. Hello, Mr. Kang? Do you feel like there's been an effort on the part of merchants or the folks you work with, their understanding of the black community or their their attitude towards African Americans? Oh, did you ask me? Yes. I'm yes. Yes. Oh, you want me to call you James, not Mr. King? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. I can do that. You know, uh, many of our Korean American come to Los Angeles, or America immigration from uh, 1970 something. And uh, 
They got they don't have money first time. They make a business after five or ten years because they can make money from an employee they starting. Then eight, 1992 is many of Korean people get the business, but it's not enough English, and many of uh, misunderstand about uh, the American people is like uh, black, white, uh, Latin is a culture is uh, very different with the Korean American business people. Yeah. But now, in the past 20 years, uh, many of the Korean American uh, business people understand, understand uh, for their neighbors, their customers. So uh, it's much better than uh, 20 years ago. It's a lot of different. Um, but sometimes we have uh, new immigration people, they don't understand uh, for their neighbor and customer, maybe something problem. But uh, Los Angeles citizens also, they met a lot of uh, immigration people, so they understand the uh, new immigration people. It's not enough uh, really about uh, our citizens' uh, culture. Uh, now uh, they understand uh, each other. So I think uh, it's a really nice uh, than uh, 20 years ago. Also, many of the community want to get uh, work together so they try more, so they understand more. Uh, I think uh, if we know more, then we can get better things to love each other. And so maybe after 10 or 20 years, I think we can make a better Los Angeles for everybody together, I think. I believe we are doing that. 5.31 in the morning. Let's go to Sarita from L.A. Good morning, Sarita. You have the mic. Sarita, you're on. Yes. Good morning, Dominique, and to the front page family, and good morning to your guests. Dominique, I, I, you know, I disagree um, that our relationship has gotten better with the Asian community. And the reason why I'm saying that, Dominique, I, I feel uh, to the president, I want to address the president of the, the Swasa Swami. Um, I noticed that when I was going there, I noticed that we were being passed up for jobs there. Um, I noticed that, you know, we're still being extra watched. And let's just face it, if it hadn't been for the African-American community, who is more than likely 60% uh, at the time of the riots uh, were your customers, the Swasa Swami wouldn't be where it is today. It wouldn't be as, as successful as it is today. And so my question to you is, what are you guys contributing back to the community for the African-American and others, but I'm, I'm speaking on us right now. Got it. Thank what you, are you Sarita. contributing? Thank you, thank you for taking my call. Always good to hear from you, Sarita. She wants to know what's being given back, uh, you know, by those merchants and business owners that are the ones that are remaining, the ones that are thriving, I guess particularly the Slauson, I think we're supposed to call it a super mall now, not a swap meet. You talked about scholarships, James. Yeah. What What else is is being given back by the merchants to the community? How does How does having those merchants in the in the South LA uh, community benefit the community? Uh, I remember many times uh, we made a nice operation day. Uh, we made cleaning in that area, and uh, we are uh, with that area uh, residents people. Also, uh, we made a barbecue party and uh, many different cultures are 
different culture uh, performance in Slavs uh, and uh, Patina is many times. Also, uh, a few days ago, we have a good tournament uh, with the Beauty Supply Association. Then uh, we pay a uh, little, little money. Then uh, we make uh, a fundraising. Then we uh, give to, uh, we will uh, give to uh, the Afro-American community uh, students. So, that uh, every year so we make uh, that uh, event every year so for almost 20 years now and um, also i knew about uh, some of the grocery grocery uh, association korean american grocery association uh, made that kind of uh, uh, a scholarship uh, uh, program and uh, it's maybe not enough but uh, uh, many of the korean american associations try for that also, uh, we have a special uh, customer service system. Uh, sometimes there is a merchant doesn't agree up with a customer. It's then maybe a customer think is not enough for customer service. Then we have an employee, uh, 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 old and he has a lot of experienced people. What about he jobs? Made- what about jobs, James? Why don't we see more African Americans working at the Sloss and Swap Me? I mean, oh, still we are we are still a lot of the customers there. Yes, uh, we have uh, you know uh, this is history. We have uh, some of uh, Afro-American employees, but also uh, some of uh, Latino uh, employees. But owner is a black owner is more than a, a Latino owner because uh, I think it's a black. Uh, community has uh, more business than a uh, Latino community, I think, in South Swamik because uh, many of the customers... You're uh, saying there's more black business owners? But employees uh, we hire, then almost, uh, we don't understand, it's almost uh, uh, Latino uh, uh, young people want to get the job. But it's, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Afro-American... It's a young man that uh, want to get a high class job, it's not a low class job, I think. So, uh, usually, I don't see uh, Afro-American, uh, it's a young man come to my uh, store doing the job. You're not like seeing as accident. many applicants. I, I didn't see maybe a few years, but Latino is a American coming. I think that's different. Um. I want to get back to the phones. We have a lot of people uh, that want to talk to you. Michael, you're in the education business now. I think it's pretty surprising, actually, because we, I mean, we do have a lot of Asian Americans here in the larger greater Los Angeles area. Um, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Filipino, many different Asian groups in in large concentrations. I mean, you know, Koreatown, Monterey Park, uh, you know, Orange County, and lots of other places. Why don't you think we have more Asian American representation in political office? And are are we going to see you run again? Will you run for mayor? Will you run for, I don't know, assembly or something? uh, Dominique, uh, I don't think you're going to see me running again. There may be other Asian Americans who want to run, but I think you've you're, been there and done that. You're, well, you're touching on a very complicated issue. I think, in part, uh, I, I think there's actually less representation, at least within the city of LA, in that there hasn't been an Asian American on, on the city council in the 20 years since I left. Uh, some of this, I think, has to do with the Asian American community not 
getting its act together in terms of supporting serious candidates. And part of it, I think, has to do with the fact it's not very easy to get elected public office in the city of L.A. It takes a lot of organization. It takes a lot of money. In a way, I think that I was really lucky that I was able to put it together when I did run. And I actually lost my first election before I was elected. So uh, it's not easy to get elected. And Asian Americans, as a percentage of the, the vote citywide, has not grown in the last 20 years. I think in part this reflects the fact a lot of the Asian American population has moved outside of the city of Los Angeles. In the San Gabriel Valley, you're seeing more Asian Americans starting to get elected to local council offices. But in general, my sense is that compared to African Americans, that political involvement hasn't been as high a priority for the community. That that Asian Americans Americans in some ways have sought achievement in other areas other than politics, and, and I think this is reflected in part in terms of the lack of representation. 5.39 in the morning, it's the front page. We are talking African-American-Asian-American relations. Reflecting back 20 years since L.A.'s civil unrest, we are taking your phone calls, 520-KJLH, 520-5554. James Jong-Ming Kang is on the phone with us. He is the president of the Slauson Swap Meat Merchants Association, president of the Korean American Business Association. Michael Wu is with us. He's the dean of the College of Environmental Design at Cal State Polytechnic University, Pomona. He is a former city council member in Los Angeles. More straight ahead. Total Talk Expression. It's Radio Free 102.3 KJLH. Introducing a different mindset. The front page, Radio Free, 102.3 JLH. got more folks on the phone and more conversation. Let's take a listen to this. Uh, This is uh, a comic, David So, with his take on Korean-Black relations. Excuse me, do you have any dome wax? No, so sorry, no dome wax, okay? Only Afro-Shin. You you want? No? Okay, $7.99, okay? No, what's your problem? Yeah, 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 what? Where are you coming from, man? Yeah, you always defensive. You know, you so always depends. I, dude, I, why do you keep following me no, around? It's my store. I'm just I trying to go, buy You know something. what? You know, you touch everything. You I, touch all the wigs. I didn't even touch those wigs. You this you buy? What do I need all you the wigs? You, you this you buy? Huh? I didn't no, buy. No, so you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so shopping. Yeah, go eat sleep. I don't. Ah, uh, it's it's Radio Free 102.3 KJLH, Korean-American uh, comic David So, making fun of the relations between African-Americans and Koreans. And um, Korean-Americans, we're focusing on Asian-black relations. And Mr. James Kang is on the phone. He's the uh, president of the Sloss and Swap Meat Merchants Association. Mike Wu is in the studio, former city councilman, now the dean of the College of Environmental Design at Cal State Polytechnic University, Pomona. And we have some other folks. We're going to get to your calls. But before we run out of time, uh, Michael, you wanted to 
say something about what you're doing now, uh, since you say you won't run, run for public office anymore in the College of Environmental Design. Well, for the last three years, I've been the dean of the College of Environmental Design at Cal Poly Pomona. This includes departments of architecture, landscape architecture, urban and regional planning, and, and art, including a big graphic design program. And I wanted to take advantage of having a chance to talk to the KJLH audience to say, we would really like to see more African-American applicants. Uh, I, I've talked to Roland Wiley, who's the former head of the National Association of Architects, but why don't we have more African-American applicants who want to become architects or urban planners or landscape architects? The, the, the ethnic minorities are really underrepresented in these design fields, and so we would really welcome seeing more African-Americans apply. I think part of it probably has to do with are there enough young African-Americans who are even thinking of, go- of becoming an architect or, or an urban planner? So we need to do more outreach, but also we would welcome more interest from the community in coming to um, the College of Environmental Design or to other other schools at, at Cal Poly Pomona. We have a big engineering school. We have a lot of scientists. We, we have a big agriculture school. So uh, we, we would really welcome increasing the number of African-Americans. And where would we go? Uh, where would we? Is there a website? Is there a number? Sure. There's a website www.csupomona.edu. Or if people have questions, I invite them to call my office, uh, the dean's office at the College of Environmental Design, which is area code 909-869-2667. 909-869-2667. Come on, y'all. You know we're out there in Pomona, so let's uh, let's show up and and and. Take advantage of some educational opportunities that may be there for us. Uh, we have someone calling in uh, from his car. He's Eric Adonese. He's he's one of two African American merchants that are at the Slauson Super Mall or Swap Meet, as some of us still call it. Um, Eric, you you heard us. You wanted to say something. Good morning, Eric. Are you there? Yes, not. Okay, we'll keep it moving. Um, he, we may get him back on the phone. But uh, let's go to Charleston Blue from Culver City. Good morning, Charleston Blue. Short version, if you would. Okay, I'm just saying, look, it's kind of like an embarrassment. Black folks, you got to create jobs. The way the, the Asian community create jobs, you got to start creating jobs and stop begging people for jobs and start stop trying to strong arm people for jobs. Create jobs, and therefore you can hire Koreans, you can hire Hispanics, and you can hire blacks, whatever. But create the jobs and stop begging for jobs. Thank you. Goodbye. That was the short version. Uh-huh. Well, I think that that's probably true, especially right now in this economy for every community. We have to be job creators. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, Good morning, James. Um, Welcome to the studio. Good to see you, sir. I appreciate your taking part in this conversation today. It's not something that happens every day. Um, And we're going to keep going with the calls, but welcome. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Wade from L.A. Wade, it sounds like you have a complicated point. Can you give me the Cliff Notes version of it? Uh, yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Uh, yes. Uh, good morning, Dominic, and to your guests. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say that I think all uh, Americans 
whether they've migrated here or they've been here for generations should study the reconstruction area of this country because after the the uh, emancipation proclamation was signed a lot of blacks gained political power immediately and then soon after uh, uh, abraham lincoln was assassinated uh, Andrew Johnson went went through the southern states and started repealing the laws and made it next to impossible for blacks to get political policy. So well, the, it's kind of like what's is, happening now with affirmative action. Yeah. yeah we do something, then we is, take it back. It's political power and, and, and economic disparity. Is Thank you, Wade. I appreciate that. Uh, if you want to call back and elaborate more, call me back tomorrow, Radio Free Friday, although it's going to be busy, too, because I think Gregory's here. There's always Hot Topic Tuesday. Let's go to Paulette from Hollywood. Good morning, Paulette. You're on. Paulette? Yes, ma'am. You're on the air. Quick question. I want to know how do we go about applying for those those uh, scholarships that the gentleman from the Cross of Swatney said that they give out? Because they'll say that they do them, but then you never hear of, it, of anyone getting them. Um, James, she wants yes. to know how would you apply for that scholarship, the scholarships that the uh, Korean Merchants Associations and others are doing? Um... I started from a uh, president position uh, last year, December. Is uh, I was only four months, but uh, before uh, is uh, before president make uh, that issue. Then I'm not sure we cannot make a lot, but if they contact with me, then uh, we can make some. I can so promise the way, it in this so the way, the way to apply for the scholarships would be to contact you. Yes. Also, uh, you know what? Uh, we contact. We have a uh, cu- customer service uh, uh, people. Mr. Bios is a very nice person. Uh, he looking for uh, that area school. It's uh, not a uh, lot of area, but uh, you know, South Central area. Some of uh, uh, junior high school and the middle school. Sometimes he pick up. So the, sometimes he'll pick the yeah, people because, rather because, than. Yeah, because because they uh, is a school uh, recommend. Uh, or the school, so it's a recommendation from the school. Yes. Um, a recommendation from your community relations guy, Mr. Byers. Yes. Or they would, they wanted to call attention to a student. They would could come directly to you. Would they come to the Slauson Super Mall and? Yes. And uh, some, uh, you know, it's a, we go school. Then uh, I told you about the uh, Operation Nice Day. Uh, that day is uh, we make a community relation uh, event. Then we get the two or three uh, is a student. From the school. Yeah. Do you have a list somewhere? Is there a website? Is there a publication where people can look and say who see who benefited from this? Because Paulette sounds like she's not even convinced that it's really happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we don't have a website. It's a Jasmine. Uh, personally, uh, I'm. I <laughs> they don't, need a website, uh, Jasmine. Yeah, I don't play a uh, 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 computer uh, website. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, many of our uh, people. Come through. Uh, come from uh, Korea, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. We really busy for work. It's no learn English, no learn computer. It's our problem. Yes, I'm really sorry about that. So, but but is there some place where people can find out who has received these scholarships? Maybe we can have some people on the show. No. Um. Maybe if they come, they try. Then I can uh, try together. But uh, you know, uh, we just try about the is Slauson Swami area is a junior, middle school, and high school. But uh, we cannot find uh, as a lot of places. Even I have a junior middle school uh, kid in uh, uh, my area. 
But we don't find uh, any uh, scholarship uh, student in my area. Only Slavs uh, Swamit uh, area is a lot of uh, Afro-American uh, living in that area. So we try only that. But uh, mm -hmm. if out of, uh, you know, so many of the customers come from outside, then any uh, place wants, then uh, I'll make a try for that happy issue. 5.55 in the morning. And we're talking 20 years going back, talking African-American, Korean-American relations. You know, RK, uh, who calls the show frequently, brings up an interesting issue, um, which is that issue of the model minority, the Asian-Americans being a model minority, and that somehow um, they don't, you don't consider yourselves minorities or people of color. Do you think that's true, uh, Councilmember Wu? Actually, I think it's not an accurate reflection of the community. There's a lot more diversity in the Asian American community than outsiders may recognize. And actually, there are some very serious problems in some parts of the Asian American communities having to do with exclusion from the economy, uh, lack of opportunity to start businesses, uh, in, in, uh, as well as a number of social and individual problems like mental health issues or other things like that that don't get adequate attention. So so the stereotype of everybody being a straight-A student uh, or being a scholarship winner really is not an accurate picture. And uh, I know that from my work with the Korean Youth and Community Center that the poverty uh, here in Los Angeles among Asian Americans is something we don't see, but it certainly does exist. Poppy from L.A., you're, you've been holding. I appreciate your patience, but I need the short version. Okay, hi. Um, I just wanted to say, I think they should make it mandatory to teach black history every day in the school so the kids will get pride. And they should also make it a mandatory for, the, for these business owners to come over here, these immigrants. They need to take a black course also. That way they'll know about the community in which they serve. And then they also need to understand that there, there's going to be there's gonna be this underlining powder cake waiting to happen. If you're selling black hair, hair products in black communities, a product that we invented, you know, that we, the amount of people Walker became a millionaire off of, and you're selling our products, and we don't even have the beauty supply stores, but yet you're in our community, and the mistreatment, you know, it, it, it doesn't fly, and there's a lack of representation. Well, Poppy, we I want to say that, you know, we have heard, and maybe you want to respond to this, that Korean-American beauty supply, in particular, work to push African-Americans out of the yeah. industry, but at the same time, Poppy... Is it the fault of another community that we don't have businesses? Isn't that our job to make us have businesses? You, you, okay. <laughs> Remember, um, a lot of people didn't, weren't even able to get their business loan. I have, you know, I, I have my master's. I have a political science in, in a, a, um, at UCLA, and I couldn't get the jobs. Okay. So well, I end up. Got you. you got it. Almost out of time. I think you made your point very well. Thank you, Poppy. Okay. How do you respond to that? You know, this idea that, um, and we hear it a lot, that particularly yes. with the beauty supply stores, mm -hmm. that black people are being kept out. That, you know, that uh, there is collaboration or conspiracy, if you want, to uh, keep black business owners out of the black hair business. Uh, the beauty supply is a uh, uh, really uh, different uh, business because uh, almost uh, importer and uh, the wholesale is, uh, is Korean people. The Korean people make a uh, beauty supply business a little bit more easier than uh, another business. Uh, this is true because uh, more than 90% beauty supply shop owner is uh, 
Korean American in America, not only Los Angeles. So sometimes I I uh, went to Vegas and uh, uh, New York is like a beauty supply show. So many people come there. They just speaking a uh, Korean language, not another language, because uh, more than 90 percent is majority people is uh, Korean American business people in there. It's very uh, strange uh, business. So I I knew uh, I have uh, many of a friend uh, beauty supply uh, black people's owner. Then sometimes they come to me, hey, what they say, what they say. Because this is America, but beauty supply is uh, everything in uh, Korean. So maybe it's, uh, I, I don't see about the beauty supply owner is a Chinese and uh, Japanese. And not only uh, another color, color people, only Korean people get their business. Wish we yes. had another hour, but we don't. We have to go. It's Radio Free 102.3 KJLH Compton, Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Inglewood. Um, James King, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank I know you. it's uh, yeah. it takes you know it takes guts for folks to come in and have this conversation. Mike Wu, I know you say you won't run. But we'll be looking for you anyway. In the meantime, we can find you at csupomona.edu or at 909-869-2667. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. As you go on your way about your day, folks, let's take a moment for a quick affirmation. Let's take a deep breath in and let us release. You know I'm going back to Iyanla. Today, let me remember, I am always free to choose. I, my choices are always in alignment with the will of the divine. A defective choice is not a reflection of the truth about me. I am always free to choose again and again and again. Till next time, Radio Free Family, be well. One love. Now. 102.3 Radio Free KJLH Compton. I like the personalities. Los Angeles. The music. Long Beach. They play soulful hits. And Inglewood. That you don't get to hear every day on the radio. So. Let's go. We are you.